Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter. How's it going? Oh, it's looking looking pretty good. This is my only meeting of the day. <laughs> Did you call this a meeting? <laughs> well, it's on the calendar. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, a meeting nice. of the minds, man. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, awesome. I uh, just told you about like some heavy uh, pandemic stuff that's going on in my life, not the actual <laughs> virus, yeah. but uh, you know the the ripple effects. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm I'm ready to be more optimistic now and do podcasts instead <laughs> of <laughs> ranting off mic. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, yeah, no, we're I, all I, we're all feeling those like second order effects even if the first yeah. order isn't affecting us i think life is so life is so different yep especially when there's like big decisions to be made yeah yeah um i got a few things i'd like to talk to you about today okay um the first one is i guess my manager update um so on the maker side, the only thing kind of to report is that we started work on Team Access, and I think it's going pretty well. We spent a lot of time last week on Tuple, kind of um, pairing on the on the architecture, like basic fundamental ground work of the whole Team Access feature. Um, but now we kind of like split off, so I work on the back end, and Bjorn works on the front end, um, and it's working pretty good so far. I think I think we'll we'll actually have a pretty solid team feature after this this cycle so i'm pretty excited about that actually nice and i'm i'm excited about the way that we kind of are doing it now it it feels solid and it's like well tested and i was surprised like you know i i did you know the open heart surgery kind of part um on friday which is like try to like pull all the existing data models into under like the team umbrella mm-hmm. and the way the that it was architectured it actually didn't require that much um and laravel has some pretty cool scoping features so we it actually worked out to be so far and i don't want to jinx it but so far pretty straightforward and um, so that was really good on the manager side as i said there's one thing i want to talk to you about and i mentioned I mentioned it to you the other day and we started talking about it and I was like, we should actually wait um, for the podcast because I think this is this is good for the listeners to kind of sit in on because um, it's related to pricing and I guess that's just something that's relevant to <laughs> a lot of people. Everyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think my pricing model for branch is broken. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about that. And um, the reason I say this is it's something I've been thinking for a while because with the with the new agency focus or like the strong agency focus we have right now, obviously you want to make sure that the pricing model is aligned with that. And I'm just afraid that it's actually not. Um, we've been trying to like m- make sure that the pricing model worked in like a lot of different situations and actually as a result of that it doesn't work super well for the the kinds of customers that we actually really want Mm. 
And I showed you an email that someone sent me um, who works at exactly the kind of agency that we want as our customers. And they're using a competitor of us, um, Buddy. Okay. And so it's like ten, it's like a 10-person agency. It's in England, and I think it's like three developers. So it's pretty ideal for like, you know, the type of agency that we, we care about a lot. Um, and I was talking to him catching up because it's someone um, who used WP Pusher five years ago or something like that. So I kind of had him in my network. And I kind of finally asked him if there was anything or any chance that he would consider trying out Branch for their deployments. Um, and he's, mm-hmm. this is, I'm just going to read his reply because um, it's pretty spot on, like kind of the, 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 you know, the gut feeling I had about our pricing. Yeah. Um, so he said, um, yeah, it's possible. Um, we've got 60 projects on Buddy right now and TMAX is, is a must. Um, so we're building TMAX now, so that's good, obviously. Um, I see you have a $99 plan with 500 deployments a month. I'm not sure how many deploys we make per month on Buddy, but I don't think it's limited. We also have unlimited projects. We don't want to have to worry about deploying little and often. Buddy get around that by allowing us only one concurrent deploy so as not to stretch their resources. Um, so there's a few interesting things here, obviously. So on our pricing page, we limit the amount of projects that people can set up on branch. And we actually don't do that in reality, but we have it on the pricing page. So, cause it was something we thought we should do. Um, and then there's the limit to how many deploys you get. So basically the cost structure of branch right now is based on our cost structure, you know, our cost metric is like how many deploys and how long they run. Mm-hmm. And, that's basically what we base our pricing on. But the problem that he's kind of like touching at in the email is that, you know, the best practice for like a developer is to deploy early and often. And here we are like limiting the amount of deploys you can make and kind of like incentivizing people to do with less deploys because otherwise it's going to be more expensive. So it seems almost a little self selfish, like our pricing model. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, so basically limiting the amount of projects doesn't feel great. And it's something I've heard before. And I think a lot of agencies like their business model is to have high volume and pull in new clients all the time. And also like limiting the deployments is also like, is a limiting factor and it's not actually encouraging people to use branch more instead of less. And for context, like I think Buddy's pricing model, they have an entry level pricing that starts at $75. And I, I think you, they have a limit for at 20 projects and then they only have two tiers. So the other tier is 200 bucks a month. And then you get unlimited projects, um, unlimited deployments, but only one or two concurrent builds. So if you're a big company and you want to like, you have more developers working stuff at the same time and you don't want them to like wait in the queue to run a build or a deployment, you have to go on like an enterprise plan. Mm. Yeah, so that's some context around that. Um, I feel like he's completely right like in this email and I want to actually fix our pricing model, but I would love to get your thoughts on it. Because hmm. I kind of want to get it right <laughs> or more right. 
this time. Um, yeah. It that's interesting. Like channeling my inner Patrick Campbell, I want to ask, like, what's the actual what is the value metric of branch? Have you thought of it that way before? I mean, I think this is what we're talking about. It's changing. Yeah. Um so it's when you say value metric, you mean when you do this more and more, like this is where you see more value. Yeah, it's the it's the thing that clearly ties to the value that it's where you're trying to get alignment between, you know, the value you create and the value they get out, yeah. of, out of the product. That because then it's like more is better for everyone, mm. and therefore, you know, you're willing to pay more. You know, I'm willing to charge more. It just like there's not this, uh, there's no gamesmanship or mm. um, like or, or hacking happening where or people you know feel nickel and dimed. It's like, look, you want you need a seat. We know you need a seat. That will give you more value out of the product. So, yeah, obviously you're going to pay more, and and everyone's fine with that. Yeah, you know, and it feels like that's what's off here is more builds clearly doesn't equate to more value it, it very loosely right but yeah because like sometimes directly. it's like you have a lot of builds because you have a lot of stuff that's failing because you're like trying to fix something or like you're trying to fix your pipeline or something mm-hmm. and then i like i had someone the other day that wrote me that he just signed up and he spent as significant you know part of his 20 free belts just getting it up and running and he was frustrated that like he had less time basically to evaluate the product because mm-hmm. he spent all you know he spent a lot of builds like just trying to get stuff to work but then on the other hand if you do a lot of deployments it's you're i mean the more deployments you do with branch like the more time you saved <laughs> and the less you know bugs you deployed maybe um so once it's up and running i feel like to some extent the deployments that kind of is the value metric but i you know having team access also like that's not a value metric probably (laughs) and the amount of projects i don't know it's just it's difficult (laughs) i think yeah well well, it's it's a utility in a sense like what's the value metric when you're mm -hmm. buying electricity yeah, they have to boil it down to kilowatt hours because they can't, they can't know um, how. You, you oh, know, you well, want to use this for your TV? Yeah, that's okay, that's this price. But if you're going to use it for your, um, I mean, it's going to be a lot more expensive to charge a uh, defibrillator. You know, that's like yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're gonna, you know, like that's the the really crazy, uh, but that's never going to work, and it won't even work at scale, and somebody will compete that down the reason is by the way the reason isn't that it's not true that there's more value it's that um it's a total commodity right electricity is such a commodity that it's impossible uh it's impossible to charge more based on the value that it creates yeah something i didn't mention now that we talked about last time also like the the problem actually the core of the problem here um and something that i've heard more than once is that people don't know how many deployments they make. Like if he knew for sure, like we make 
three hundred deployments a month. Yes, yes. Like he'd be happy with a five hundred, you know, deployments a month plan. He would feel like he had, you know, yep. Um, and that's a clue, a, a good, right? Yeah, exactly. That, so that's like, a clue right there. He, if if <laughs> if each of those was accretive in terms of the value it creates for them, they would know the number, right? Yeah. Um. It you know there's, but the fact that they don't even know tells you that. They don't track it because it's not an indicator of anything other than somebody hit a button and yeah, maybe it's it was like, an actually just or maybe it was a throwaway, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, and why incentivize like you? Yeah, I don't know. No one's going to start tracking. Well, I hate to say it in such a definitive way, but if people aren't tracking the number that you plan to use as your value metric, mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard because now you have to educate people on why they should even measure something that before they didn't even measure right yeah and it kind of i guess that's why buddy has landed on the unlimited builds um plan and then they charge you know 200 bucks for it which is fairly high um but then as an agency and i think there there are a lot of agencies that are basically the same size so if you can i guess it's like you know, if you sell something to SaaS companies, they come in all different shapes and sizes. But if you look at, you know, the median agency or something, it probably like most of them probably look like that. And then there's like a few that are smaller and a very few that are very big. Yeah. So if you can make the pricing right for like exactly kind of the type of agency that I just talked about, like 10 people sitting in a city creating websites for and design and logos for people, and they have three developers that are actually building websites. You're probably like, you're probably good for like most agencies around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. When I think about their two pricing plans, it's like the limited projects and limited deploys is a fit for anybody that's really small, where the limits are just so large still that they're comfortably within those. Right? They're yeah. like, we don't track the number, but you know, it's like somebody coming to me like hey how many you know how many somethings do you need and it's like an astronomical how much dog food do you need i'm like i'm not exactly sure how much but if you tell me it's like a thousand pounds a month like (laughs) i know that's more than i'm ever going to use you know um, if it was a mess yeah but but i i also know that i'm not a kennel right and i'm not a you know i'm not a zoo right so i'm like i'm fine that's more than enough for me so i'm either small or or i am a zoo or a kennel but I'm in yeah. sandbox mode, right? I'm like, I'm testing out this dog yeah. food. And, you know, it may or may not be what we go with in the long run. So it doesn't matter. This is totally just a test. So it sounds like yeah. that's like a test. That's a tester for the for the big guys. And it's a yeah. production account. And then what's really interesting is they basically are admitting for the for the production, you know, versions for the big guys that nobody tracks this stuff. So it's just going to be unlimited. And the only... Yeah one that they put a limit on is one that i bet you they weren't tracking before like how many concurrent builds like yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i don't even do that right but what's funny is it it creates mm, builds that need to be concurrent like that is something of a throttle pain. Yeah, yeah on yeah, productivity yeah. And productivity yes, exactly. is clearly value. So yeah, yeah, yeah. charging for something that is clearly value, you know, you're like, hey, I know you didn't think of it this way before, but having parallel builds going 
obviously is more valuable for you. So that's how we're going to charge. People are like, okay, well, how will we know? Oh, we'll tell you, right? Yeah. And the way, We've, you know, yeah. just pay money and that can go from from throttled to unthrottled, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the show as well before. Like, and I think as soon as you're, if you're a developer and if you've been in a situation where you were in the queue, like the built queue, and you could see like it would be 20 or 30 minutes before your code is being built. <laughs> like, that's, that's a long horrible. time because like a lot of builds <laughs> take like five to 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. That's horrible. And it's just yeah. unacceptable. So like yeah. if you can solve that, like paying a hundred bucks more. Yep. It's like yeah. instant buy. Yeah. And it's kind of like Slack. We've talked about this before. Slack um, does this with their pricing plans where it's, you know, how many chat, uh, chat history browsing or searching. And it's like, you don't really think before. Oh, yeah. yeah. I usually just look at 2000 prior messages. So they just picked a number. All it needs to be is something that causes pain. Once yeah. you're, it causes pain once you're at the place where paying makes sense. Like the pain it causes. Now I'm in a situation where like I really need that person's email address or whatever it was. Yeah. Now, but, of course yeah. you're going to pay for that, right? So of course you're going to pay for productivity. So I think with branch, yeah, it comes back to: do you need to reinvent the wheel here, or do you, you know, because uh, yeah, um, the thing is like, do you borrow the, <laughs> their price? Yeah, model? and I kind of borrowed, but. I did that when branch was a deep a CI tool. So if you go to GitHub Actions or Circle CI or like one of the CI tools, mm-hmm. they actually charge you based on built minutes. And I kind of know roughly how many minutes a build is on average. Mm. So I simplified the price to just be built instead of built minutes. But right. actually the pricing model right now is kind of legacy from like before we kind of, you know. Yeah positioned itself as a deployment tool instead of a ci tool Mm -hmm. and um, yeah that's another giveaway i guess so maybe there's just an easy answer (laughs) yeah that's that's a good realization um yeah i think there's there's so much opportunity in this and you can say look we're the same kind of product as those people and, and use theirs you can also look to be a little bit more disruptive and do something that nobody else does because you know you've discovered that the best way to measure value is actually something different right mm. and you know that this uh, my favorite um my favorite articles about this is actually not pricing related uh per se but it was a comparison of netflix versus um other online um just other online publications right of, of yeah. tv shows and Netflix does that thing where as soon as a series comes out, they give every, they give you every episode like yeah. the first the first day, and the, um, this is actually Ben Thompson of Stratechery, but he's our exponent podcast, but he's just making the great point that the taking away like that one week wait um, mm. from a broadcast perspective, which is like the it's a sacred cow, like you, you mm. of, of course you would never give somebody all the episodes right away but like in in but netflix realized like there actually wasn't value in stringing people along there was more value in creating this binge culture if you will yeah of watching 11 episodes the first night it comes out um 
Yeah, so, like Coca-Cola don't like they don't limit like you they don't tell you you can only buy one bottle of Coke every week and they have to wait a week for you to buy the next one. <laughs> That's yeah, ex- exactly. And, and and then it just be so it shifted a challenge to oh, you know what? We're going to have to supply so many great shows. If people do that, they might run out of shows in a day. Hmm. So we're just going to need to provide a lot of shows. So I always I think it's fun just to stop and think like is there a new competitive dimension here where i can Mm. stop charging the way that everybody else charges because they did it the old way in the old world and i'm in the new world and and just maybe as a thought experiment say like what if you charged not for any of those things but this way it might not make sense for branch but Mm. I, i do think it's a fun experiment yeah yeah for sure awesome mm. yeah i don't know if we made any progress but it's a good I like that subject. We should. Well, yeah, I think. I want to know the conclusion. Maybe the answer is just to at least try the the easy model and see if mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of at least having two plants. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And then kind of like can always expand from there, like fine tune, I guess. Well, don't forget, you're going to have three plants. You'll have. Yeah. You'll have free. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, 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 that's Paid. true. Yep. Um, cool. The other thing I want to talk to you about, I don't know if this is a two-minute or a 20-minute thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just kind of like wanted to bring it up and kind of like give you a chance of like running with it and then we'll see. Okay. Um, but basically, um, what I want to talk about is kind of like order of business. And it's something that's been on my mind the past week of, um, so, you know, a month ago I was spending, or maybe even two months ago, I was spending a lot of time on content and like doing stuff around content and building out guides and the website and positioning and stuff like that. And it felt like, you know, a lot of progress and a lot of stuff was going on and um, me being on Twitter all the time and writing stuff on our website and the blog and the change log and all that caused us, you know, a big spike in traffic, which is nice. It makes you feel good when you see those um, traffic charts go up. Um, obviously, like in the past month, we've been really product focused and the whole like focus this quarter is um, product user fit, fit, which basically means we are spending a lot of time talking to users. And when we send out emails, it's not so much like big promotions of big new features and stuff. It's more like just trying to get in touch with our existing users um, or like pros- uh, prospects. And there's not so much bus right now. And we're very much like in the code and like trying to improve the product and talking to people, you know, getting feedback emails, like the one with the pricing that I just shared. And obviously that causes some of those traffic numbers to go down. Mm -hmm. And it's that whole feeling of like, we can't, I can't be doing everything. Like I can't pair program with Bjorn on tuple and like work on the product. And then also be like, you know, a clever tweet. Yeah, send out a clever tweet and, you know, write articles because in the meanwhile, I'm also like paying invoices and doing, you know, administration stuff and dealing with like other things, you know, in my life. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
but then kind of like what I've been telling myself is the reason that we're doing right, like what we're doing right now with like strong focus on product user fit is because I kind of like have a gut feeling that tells me that that's the most important thing to work on. And, you know, kind of like what I realized was that it's it doesn't really matter if I get a lot of traffic or if a lot of people say nice things about me if they don't actually start sign up and use the product and activate and like are pretty excited about it. Cause then it doesn't really, you know, it's like very short lived, <laughs> you know, the, the, um, it doesn't really pay off in the long run. But whereas like if people get, even if it's just one person, one week get activated in the product and start using it, you know, they'll keep using it and they'll be hopefully excited and tell other people about it. So it just, like my gut feeling tells me that it's the right thing right now to focus on that and don't worry about the other thing because like first order of business is to have an awesome product and kind of like the feeling i have is if we solve these problems and if we have an awesome product that people love and we can in a really small scale like get people activated then it'll be much easier when we kind of like shift our focus more to marketing um but yeah, like it just also feels like you put a lot of energy into that like a month or two ago and now it's like not really there anymore. Like the guides are still there, but we're not promoting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it's an asset, but it's not, you know, paying off that much. But mm-hmm. I'm convincing myself that I'm doing the right thing because nothing else matters. Like, cause, And I guess kind of like what I want your take on is, is there, is there all, th- all ways, like at least from the CEO's perspective is there always one thing that's the most important thing that you should be focusing your time on that's kind of like the first order of business and is that like is that the right framework to use even or like do you need to like split up your weeks and say okay as there's actually three important things that i need to like dedicate equal attention to or something like that does it make sense kind of like what i'm trying to say yeah um it does um it's a that's great that's a yeah that's that's a elephant there let me figure out which part to talk about first um yeah (laughs) so i think the question is you know you've got you have um i'm gonna maybe this abuse a metaphor here for a second you've opened up pandora's box right and you've got all these different threads and things that are active and at any given moment we all experience this so i think we're talking to everybody listening that's worked on a startup but you've got you know 19 or 11 or 5 or 2 of these things but you don't you don't have one Mm. and i think your question is you put a bunch of effort into those in the past as your focus and now those aren't your focus anymore but and if it's like whack-a-mole sometimes yeah it's like whack-a-mole so um i think what i'm doing this time around so let me just put it that way what i'm doing this time around is saying i am trying to prove that i've got a business that's worth yeah i've got a i've got a viable business model right Mm. i'm not talking about mvp product i'm talking about everything like a viable business model which includes things like content marketing and collateral and if i were you the recipes and the things you published 
Um, but you know, you got, here's the thing, right? Phase. I, I do like the zero to one and then one plus view of this, which is, mm-hmm. did you do those things? Because <laughs> when you when you took on the task of doing those things, and maybe maybe you don't yeah, remember, yeah. right? But I when you took you, on, I the, know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. When you took on the task of doing those things, did you do them so that you could drive more relevant prospects in the top of a funnel that's working? And that was your goal was to optimize, <laughs> like to improve that. Yeah, or was your yeah, goal yeah. to figure out if we do this, does it even work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was the, I, it was the yeah. latter. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think it was, and that this is the thing. Like, you could say, oh, well, we knew that was going to work, and so I don't know if we really used our, but you didn't know for sure. Now you know. Um, I would say this though, like. I don't think that that means, okay, it worked. Getting things to go from zero to one, like let's talk about momentum for a second. Like getting things to go from zero to one is a, it's an activation energy problem, Mm -hmm. right? It's like just getting that off the ground requires focus because you got to push there's a certain amount of time you got to push on that boulder before it moves an inch. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's rolling. To the extent that it's possible in these early days, like exactly, yeah. keep it rolling, but keep it rolling is a very different thing than accelerate it or keep it rolling as fast. Like letting it slow down, I wouldn't, I don't beat myself up over those things. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's roll, it's moving, you know, so like I was writing a blog post once a month before when I was getting uh, Summit off the ground, then SimSass mm-hmm. and now once a quarter but like that still feels good enough because yeah i know that i can go back to it if i want to but i've dialed that back why it's like i know it works but i also know that there's things that don't work at all yeah and those things need my attention and my focus and one day you know i'll hire up for the things that are that i've throttled down right or that i've allowed allowed to slow down because when i go to an investor or even when i go to myself and i say how do i want to invest next I'm way more concerned about the things that aren't working at all yet mm-hmm. than I am about you. You've got to like put blinders on and just not even stress as much as possible. Don't even stress about the things that aren't optimal. You know, I like that way of thinking about it more as experiments. And yeah, I think like what you said about the guides, like you can kind of like flip the equation and ask the question like, obviously you'll learn something from it, but you could also say like for different things that you feel like you should do. Cause you know, you're right. Like we're just trying to, to prove that this could be a business. Um, we're not necessarily trying to skate. We're not, I mean, we aren't trying to scale a business right now. We're just trying to prove that a business is a possibility. Yep. And I, so you could ask the question with the guides, for example, um, flip it around and say like could the business exist without the guides like if you took the guides away was would would it still be possible for this to be a business and then i think the answer is yes but if you said could this Mm. work without the recipes probably not (laughs) yep 
Because yep. that's like part of the secret sauce or like if the onboarding didn't work and people couldn't, weren't excited about the project, it also wouldn't work. Yeah. And that's and actually, if we so didn't have any money, uh-huh. it wouldn't work either. So like right. there are some things that you have to worry about because it would never work. Like that's this kind of like the zeros we talked about last time mm-hmm. that you're trying to solve for. But the guides, they are not really as zero necessarily like no, but I think so. I actually want to ask drill into that for a second. You said that you could have a business without them. My knee jerk reaction is, well, then why'd you do it, Peter? Like, why'd you, <laughs> why, why did you spend time on something that you didn't need to do? Right. Well, yeah. actually, if I remember correctly, aren't the guides kind of an integral step in testing business development, like interest yeah, from the host? That was the idea. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't yeah. about, so we are volume, still like pl- was, you know, we are still planning yeah. to use them, mm-hmm. and we're kind of like also using them as kind of like bait with the hosting companies. Exactly. So the reason those existed was, and the reason you built some muscle in creating those is that if there is a host out there, which is currently still a zero from an official partnership standpoint, I think. Yeah. Um, you now have another weapon in your arsenal that you can use to land one of those, which would be uh, that is a zero to one activity. So I don't. Yeah. You know, if you come back to that, you're like, well, that's why I did it, Matt. <laughs> like, yeah, I could, I could build a business without them, but they're helping me do something that is mission critical to this business model, which is having these hosts become partners, right? Yeah, but even without, I mean, even technically, even without the hosts being partners, like in theory, the business could still work. Like, yep. I don't know for sure that, like, that's just still a theory I have. Well, then I would put those, then maybe hosts should be somewhere down your list. Yeah. It, it, it's like, those are, this is a growth hypothesis, right? Like, Yeah, but those are something I'm testing, right? And also, yeah. like, the nice thing about the hosts is that they, they connect me with my, you know, target customer, which is the agencies. Right, but that's all about growth still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so all I was saying is, are you focusing on value? Are you focusing on growth? Yeah, and I think I'm I would, focused on value. Yeah, yeah, and and um, it, it's it's impossible to completely sequentialize, li- you know, linearize, <laughs> lay this all yeah. out in a clear time series. Where you're like, I'm only going to do so when an opportunity presents itself. You're opportunistic, and as an entrepreneur, of course, you're going yeah. to take advantage of that with a host. But if you, you know, if you have um, a product sitting there and a lack of you, you know, user fit that's to me that's going to consume most of your attention on those days until it's solved kind of like in my mind the way i think about it is as soon as you've solved the value so i love mike maple's framework of like the you know the values hacking stage the growth hacking stage and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um and at the value hacking stage um I, i yeah i think for sure that's where i am and i think if you if you solve that I think that's the whole idea with this framework. If you solve that, then in the later stages, like the things you do aren't kind of like zero to one activities, it's amplifiers. And I think a good mm-hmm. example, and I don't know if there's a rule that we always have to mention tuple on this podcast. <laughs> I know Maya for her tuple is something that we always mention on the podcast, but she doesn't really know what it is. Um, but um what Ben is talking about right now on 
his podcast uh, about sales and like hiring someone to do sales. And we've talked about that as well, about like sales being just helping people buy your product <laughs> in the way they prefer. Yep. Um, then sales is not a zero to one activity. It's just kind of like an amplifier or you're trying to like, you know, make the boulder roll faster. Yes. And I think if you can get to that point with your product, everything else becomes a lot easier. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, and that's kind of like how I'm justifying spending my time the way I am right now. Yeah. And, and this is not to under uh, sell <laughs> the difficulty of the growth hacking stage. That's inc- like, that is still incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, just it, but, um, you know, if you get, if you try to tackle that before the product is something people are raving about, it's, it's the wet firewood problem. Yeah, but it's easier for Justin Jackson to promote Transistor when DHH can't stop tweeting about it. Of course, and but the reason for that is because it's an amazing product, right? Yeah, that's not your point. That's not a mark. Like he didn't pay DHH. I hope not. (laughs) That would have been very expensive. I think. Yeah. Um, Yep. Yep. No, that's kind of like my whole point, I guess. Yeah, and it's a it is a feedback loop to an extent. Like you know, you're you're taking. You have you have a very less well known user at some point early on, mm. and you're trying to get them to the point that DHH is later. Yeah, and it's it is a bit of a it is a loop. It's a cycle of yeah. Show, build something, show something, get a response, build it better. Yeah, um, yeah. And at some point, you ask for money along that yeah. route, <laughs> um, and then the people are happy to give it to you because they really want the thing. But yeah. I, I think there's, you know, as funded founders speaking as you and me, there is a, yeah, there's not, there's, there's an opportunity to get it dialed in more on the product side than there is when you got to sell this thing right away. Right. Yeah. All right. This, uh, this felt good to sort of verbalize, I guess. Cool. Yeah, yeah I really want to talk about the Mark and Driesen piece as well, and um, but I want to hear your update as well because uh, <laughs> you have been sending out tweets <laughs> this time around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ones focused on the front end development that I've been doing. Yeah, yeah. I... Wow, such a hipster man! <laughs> You're really drinking the the Kool Aid of the the cool. Front end people. <laughs> uh, hardly, hardly. I'm like looking at it. So let me let me talk about where I actually am. I I hit the point in the last couple of weeks. Last week was a cool down week, which I am going to probably bastardize to an extent and say it just meant that I would use it as an opportunity to get my head straight, wrap up a few things, um, you know, update a few things from the previous releases, but then really just think about what deserves my focus next. And I really want to get the, I really want to get some features finalized, but what I'm also getting is I'm getting some pull from the market and it's very exciting um, nice. how, how much people want this product, but we know it's the, I want the 20% that's missing. And <laughs> I'm also, I'm a good enough salesperson though, to sell the 80% that's there. And I also am not the type anymore at least to say oh yeah you're right of course you need all that stuff tomorrow 
and then you know <laughs> just go into my cave right at the same time i really don't want to sell myself short by having a bottleneck somewhere in my product development that makes it unwieldy or cumbersome or just painful to keep iterating on the product because i think the product has so much the core has so much potential and actually mm. when i when i say the product right now i am thinking being a bottleneck i'm talking about the front end specifically mm. so the core the simulator and the statistical analysis are separate they're in their own world services backend stuff that's great right what i'm talking about and i'm not so when you say bottleneck you kind of mean adding new features is like getting exponentially harder the more features you're at yeah exposing new data sets uh to the user giving them the ability to chart more things because there's value in those charts right yeah is harder because the way that i had it built up until now was oh you need data set you know abc great i will i will literally change the code and send data set abc to the front end when you load the Mm -hmm. page and i will create a new chart dedicated to data set abc and it'll be there right well that's like it's a lot harder when somebody suddenly somebody says well actually i want a chart that's you know just ab right or maybe Mm. just bb right it's like it's the permutations and combinations of the data underneath that's available where everyone's a little bit different everybody needs something slightly different but they all need some element of of uh remixes right of what i've got so i've got it all there but mixing and remixing it on the front end is is valuable right and it's Mm. something that doesn't have to be done by matt wensing during a product development cycle and pushed out once per month right or once per per week right it's something that the user should be able to do and say you know i know the data is in there i just want to look at how this relates to that or Mm. you know i want to forecast for this and so i got tired of the you know it's a linear problem right it's not that it was maybe exponentially difficult could be true but i was paying down debts enough but it just felt like a slog and i um and that also goes for just the css and the html and just the amount of data that i was sending to front end and and response times were slowing down so yeah i took the plunge and um created a branch and said how would i how can i make this a lot more asynchronous and therefore not just asynchronous for the sake of speed or even just performance but i want it to be a lot more user driven from a here's the data i want show it to me standpoint Mm -hmm. and um so they can conjure up the data they want at runtime um and yeah i i knew that i wanted to use view i've been obviously salivating over tailwind ui just like a lot of us <laughs> and i'd already bought you know i'd already bought it i just hadn't used it yet so i challenged myself to fit view into django um but the first thing i started to use uh, or, tr- or i knew i needed a, a better api layer for this to mm. work and rather than my views which is what django calls the controller logic um being the things that basically compile data and send it to the front end you know they do it does a lot of the queries and you know even calling of services i said you know i want a just want a great api and so i was looking at the django rest framework which is 
we'll create these you know endpoints in very traditional restful sense of passes the id i'll send you the object you know passes a put you know or, or, or delete and we'll change it so just a lot of crud on atomic pieces of your database right yeah um and a buddy of mine had been really preaching the benefits of GraphQL. Mm. And I I was like, hmm, okay, let me just, while well, I'm in this fantasy land of, of being hip, let me take a look at that. <laughs> and I think Summit's valuation just doubled. Uh, because of the because of the hipness. Because of the tech stack now. Yeah. Tech stack yeah. is like Silicon Valley worthy. It's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> so I, I looked at GraphQL and I had an immediate had a um the time to value was like 20 minutes and i have proof of this because yeah i have proof of this because i uh i started uh slacking about it in um (laughs) in uh in tiny seed one night i'm like all right i'm not tired it's midnight i have no idea why i'm not tired but i'm not tired so let me just do something cool so anyway i started experimenting with graphql graphql is a way of allowing you to skip all of the creating individualized endpoints for individual models in your database and allow the front end to basically say, look, don't give me a jar of peanut butter, a jar of jelly and a loaf of bread and force me to assemble a sandwich on the front end with three separate calls and, you know, a bunch of overfetching as they call it. It's a really concise way to say, give me just the, for example, give me the username, give me the email address, and also give me the seven projects that this user is working on. And for each of those projects, give me, you know, the timestamp of the last update and up to three to-dos per project, right? Yeah. And that sounds a lot more like the dashboard of a project management <laughs> site, right? <laughs> and so you just do one call where you send the schema back, this taxonomy of data you want, and GraphQL says, cool, I'll go fetch all that and just that and sends you back this payload that is like richly, you know, defined and you don't have to do any of the, you know, definitions of the individual endpoints uh, like a REST yeah, API. This is, this is what I did for the, for the repository list I show in branch from GitHub because it's before GraphQL, you had to query the list of all the repositories. And then if you wanted the, the the pretty name of the repository, I think that was the case, you'd have mm-hmm. to like query for each of the repositories to get like the extra information you needed. Yes. But with GraphQL, you can just say, I want all the repositories and all like, you know, they all have like this sub model or like child or whatever. And I want all the this data from the child. And then you just get one big like lump of data back, mm-hmm. which is really yeah. nice. So then I dialed it up a little bit more because I started to, I hit a wall when I had to start def- defining the schemas for all these objects that I have. I mean, Summit's not a, you know, a, a two model database. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of it's connected. And I was having some difficulties just, you know, learning curve there with GraphQL and and Python. And every time I looked at a tutorial, like somebody else is a slightly different stack. So they're using things that are not even relevant to my stack Mm. So I wanted to, I got a little, little frustrated. And then somebody recommended that I look at, uh, Hasura, uh, H-A-S-U-R-A, uh, dot I-O. And so I did. And what that is, is it's a deploy in minutes to your Heroku stack or locally and point Hasura at your Postgres database. 
mm-hmm. and we'll just automatically write all of the GraphQL schema. That's really and def- cool. And definitions for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, prop up this uh, GraphQL endpoint where now you can um, interactively browse and explore your database, click all of the conditional logic and all of the queries that you want to... It writes your queries for you. I think you mm-hmm. just copy-paste that query into your front end and say, you know it works, and you didn't have to write any... You know, I didn't have to write any Python code to do those definitions. I just copy paste that into view, you know, and use it, uh, a stringified, you know, send this query back to the, back to Hashura and it sends back the data. Right. And so like, that's great. <laughs> done. Right. Yeah. And if I, if I want to, I can pay them to scale it and do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and I'm not ashamed that I'm a heavy user of Heroku and other such DevOps technologies that allow me to do stuff as a solo founder. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm really excited about that. So so yes, now I've got uh, Tailwind View uh, running on my Django app. And I'm also using Hashura and GraphQL uh, for retrieving data. And it's going to be, I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, here's the thing I wanted to say. I know we're running a little bit long. I was worried before I started this, that this was going to be a like six month project. Mm, yeah. You know what I've realized? This is so fun that this is not going to be a six month project. <laughs> You'll find out, find the time. Well, here's the thing. It's like you, you enjoy it so much that I am, I just, me personality wise, I'm much more likely to ignore everything else and just work on this for two weeks straight. Yeah. Like, day and night <laughs> and just burn through it than I mm-hmm. am to drag to drag this out over, you know, three, four, five, six weeks, months, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like this is gonna be uh because it's such it's so such a fast feedback loop, you know, and dopamine yeah, yeah, yeah. every time you oh, refresh. I'm so your glad page. you're experiencing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 this is exciting for me because back to the point when the user says, I really love Summit, but I want to use it more for budgeting and i say oh you know plaid has that data and i i can get that data in a in a simple query so that takes me a day to do the back end stuff but the front end is going to take me you know three weeks this is great because i can say actually i could probably build out a, a basic front end in you know three days um, yeah that's just so exciting um so yeah, I'm I'm diving in and I'm I'm actually attacking the most complicated part of the app <laughs> to start <laughs> because um I'm on a branch anyway, so what the heck, but I also know that like if I don't solve it for this, it'll never see the light of day. It'll always be like this weird appendage of like, oh yeah, there's one part of the app that has this cool new tech. So I just want to see if I can if I can do this. Um and frankly, it's not that complicated, I think, with a little help from folks like you that know Vue already. I think I should be able to uh, to do it. So I, yeah, I'm excited. I think I want to make a Matt, Matt Wensing meme that just says, I'm on a branch anyways. What the heck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my sandbox, I'm on a branch, man. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. People, yeah. You know, if you got, if, if anyone thinks there's magic, it's just, it's partially ignorance and and stupidity and insanity all rolled into <laughs> one but i'm having fun is the point so like that's awesome good that's stuff. when i'm in my zone yeah so. cool stack bro <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> and i sent out the obligatory cool stack bro tweet which 
got a lot of love and um i'm i'm you know what i'm actually really thankful for all of those projects because it's kind of insane that i get to use the you know like i have these amazing if you will designers and back-end developers and devops folks on my team mm-hmm. just by using technology that is as close to free or free as it can be which is i just think it's phenomenal <laughs> like i just yeah yeah compared to the old days <laughs> um, i mean it was always the case like even back then it's like oh wow apache like i can use this and i don't have to pay anybody for it um but like that just continues to to snowball and i think being a full stack developer which like from design to all the way to back end is like a rare and rare thing because so many people specialize but having familiarity with every part of the stack and then also being able to leverage the tech that people are making and just giving away. Um, it's, it's an amazing time to be creating these apps. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, the amount of stuff we get for free is just insane. Yeah. Even the yeah. stuff we have to pay a bit for like towing UI. I know. I was like, how much? <laughs> it's like, I have hired designers for a lot of money per year to create, you know, the kinds of UIs that now I paid. What I, I don't even remember the number because it was so trivial, right? Like, I, it was less than the branch logo, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that I would have paid. I mean, honestly, for me at least, the value I would have paid ten times the price they charged yeah why not yeah that's I mean, crazy yeah so thank you guys <laughs> maybe a donation is in order i don't know but um i think they're cool. doing all right yeah i think I they hear. are but they could be doing better <laughs> so um cool, nice man. sounds like good a update yeah can i say one thing about the mark and Dreesen piece oh yeah before yeah. we start please do it makes me question everything i do <laughs> i mean did you read that and did it what did it do to you just quickly before we stop recording i read it i think it was i think it was a a lament of the state that we have gotten ourselves into and it was a call to action or a call to arms to improve that and that doesn't mean it's a trivial solution but it's kind of the classic, you know, um, stand on the tree stump and give your speech to the to the uh, to the masses and just get people excited about um, optimistic and excited about fixing this stuff, like how much better things could be. So I it didn't make me feel defensive at all. I, I'm it actually was cathartic for the frustration that I feel about America's you know current state of affairs. It got me fired up, and I'm not even in the U.S. Cool. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to do with it, but I yeah, feel like I have to I, do I, something. It, it, I, yeah. uh, I, I actually kind of like read a lot of books and stuff in this space, uh, like the you know the future stuff, and like like reading like you know Val Harari or Matt Ridley or Stephen mm-hmm. Pinker's guys like those or gals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like he summarized it pretty well. <laughs> the, the optimism that I kind of like have in myself or that I'm feeling myself or like believe in. Yeah. 
yeah, did a good I, job summarizing that. Yeah, I I think the broken ways of doing things are that we that we're suffering with now. They are fundamentally weak, but there's so much inertia, so so much inertia, and you know, I, I think yeah, I think America is just going through a serious reality check right now. I I think that the virus is it's a terrible tragedy. Many, many people have died and it's affecting everyone still. The one thing that it has done, if I try to be, you know, a Pollyanna about it, is it has exposed so many things that mm. were hard to expose before. It, you know, it's exposed the the failures and the shortcomings in a way that regardless of political party you ought to be able to recognize <laughs> in terms yeah. of just the shortcomings, you know, this, this isn't going to work. Like the system that we have, the code that we have is not going to work. Like we need to refactor. Um, so it's a reckoning. Um, Definitely. we'll see, we'll see how folks use that as an opportunity. Um, but I liked it. Good. I, I just wanted to be one of the podcasts that would mention that this week. There we go. We did it. We're relevant. <laughs> We're relevant. <laughs> Exactly. Awesome, man. Good one. Um, Let's keep it below the hour mark. All right. Thanks, Peter. (laughs) Talk to you later. See ya. Bye. 